Romans 8 verses 1 through 8 gives us 10 powerful truths about walking after the Spirit. Now, I want you to understand something, and I hope you, you uh, believe me, but uh, many times I've heard messages on uh, eight things, seven things, ten things, twenty things, whatever from this passage, from, not this passage, but I mean whatever the passage, and um, by the time you're finished, and I, this isn't always the case by any means, but once in a while, by the time you're finished with whatever the list, you come to the realization, right or wrong, you come to the realization that, uh, okay, we weren't exactly looking at what this passage is teaching us. The preacher was helping us with some ideas and tacking on some scripture to it. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that, but we must have times where we look at the scripture, and in my opinion, it must be the majority of the time that we look at the scripture and, and extract from it exactly what God wants us to know. Uh, so in other words, instead of me sitting down saying, uh, let, me, let me come up with 10 ideas about walking after the Spirit, and then let me see if I can find some scripture to back that up. That may be okay once in a while because there is a certain amount of experience from someone who has walked in the Spirit. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm that person, but I mean there is a certain amount of experience if someone has walked in the Spirit that they can share with us. And I want to hear their experience. But the vast majority of the time, we need to go to the Scripture and see what the Scripture says about it and mine what is already in the Bible. Pull it out and examine it. And that's what we're going to do tonight. That's what, by the grace of God, I I try to do any time I give you uh, five things about this, ten things about this, uh, is uh, go to the Scripture and look at what it says and share that with you. And that is the case tonight. Now, because these things <laughs> pretty much line up with, with what I preach the rest of the time, you might say, well, that, this just sounds like something you put together. But I don't think, I think it's indisputable that it's right here in the passage. Okay. Let me also give this little disclaimer before we jump into Romans 8, verses 1 through 8. And that is that There are many different varieties of Christianity being put out there and practiced and advanced. And um, the funny thing is, whenever someone presents something to you or to me that varies from what we've experienced and what we know and what we've lived all these years, their position is, that, uh, well, hey, it's all, it's all the Christian faith. You know, stop making such a big stink about this. We all just need to get along. It's all the Christian faith. And I'm for one accord. I'm for teamwork, no doubt. But I am not for the weakening of scriptural positions and scriptural definitions of Christian living. So the position that we get from a lot of times or the attitude that you get a lot of times is, hey, come on, quit, quit trying to cause division. And we're all Christians. We're all Christians here. Uh, And yet, the folks who promote what they receive and live, I'm talking about their teachers, will be very quick to lash out at us for daring to disagree with with what they say. 
Now, I don't like to get into all the drama and all the discord. I cannot stand the conflict and controversy uh, among churches or between churches, even between various denominations. If you preach the gospel, if you name the name of Christ, then we need to work together and we need to keep the strife to an absolute minimum for the sake of the testimony of Jesus Christ. However, it's very important to do that and at the same time know what we believe. All right, so... There is a very strong, very strong, and it's multiplied exponentially by the existence of social media. People go on Facebook. People who can't be bothered to go to church go on Facebook and advance their take on the faith. How interesting is that? Wow. So you don't value the body of Christ for which Jesus Christ died, but you want to advance your beliefs on a stage, by the way, to people who you wouldn't have ever met except you met them at church. That is prostituting the body of Jesus Christ, and we're going to answer to God for doing that. And we not may make sure we do not do that. But we are being bombarded in this day and age by people trying to advance a Christian life where we can do whatever we want to, and it's okay. And what you're going to see here in Romans 8, and again, I didn't go to the Bible and say, let me see if I can find a way to, to counter this. No, I was reading my Bible recently, and I said, wow, look at that jumping off the page right there. Wow, look at that. Oh, and look at that, and look at that. I mean, it's right there. It's in many, many places. But I mean, I was reading Romans 8, and it just reached out and grabbed me. So let me share with you tonight. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Now, before we look at the ten powerful truths, and you say, Ben, this is, this is shaping up to be a long one. It really is not, okay? And, and then when I say that, that really is a danger sign, isn't it? But before we look at these ten powerful truths from Romans 8, 1 through 8, I want to make two observations. I want you to make these observations as you look at this. Notice it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. The first uh, um, observation I want you to make from that is that walking after the spirit means living your life according to the leadership of the spirit of God as detailed in the word of God. It's a lifestyle of following the spirit but not doing what you want and blaming it on the spirit. Well... The Spirit of God led me to go out and get drunk tonight. Yeah, sure he did. The Spirit of God led me to get this tattoo. See, it even, it even has a verse from the NIV on there. The Spirit of God led me to do that. No, he didn't. As detailed in the Word of God. Um, so, and I'm not going to take the time to explain that because I want to make sure we save the time for the heart of the, of the message tonight. But walking after the Spirit means living your life according to the leadership of the Spirit of God as detailed in the Word of God. And the second thing I want you to notice before we look at these ten truths is that it is strongly implied in this passage that it is the natural thing, the expected thing, for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ to walk after the Spirit. Notice it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. That is not telling us that there's no condemnation to them which do two things. Number one, they're in Christ Jesus. And number two, they walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. 
What it's saying is, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And the people who are in Christ Jesus, it is the most normal thing in the world for them to no longer walk after the flesh, but to walk after the Spirit. Not walking after the flesh and walking after the Spirit is a modifier of being in Jesus Christ. So I'm not sure about that. Then you need to look at Galatians chapter 5. And see that there Paul makes a very similar statement. Galatians chapter 5. And verse number 25. And Paul is having, in fact he has just finished detailing for us the works of the flesh versus the works of the spirit. Okay, so if you walk after the flesh, you're going to do the works of the flesh. If you walked after the spirit, you're going to do the works of the spirit. He's just finished detailing that. He has just finished with the very famous fruit of the Spirit. And then he makes this statement in verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, now time out. Read the book of Galatians. You'll see from the context very clearly, live does not mean as we would say, I'm living this way. It's not talking about a lifestyle. It's talking about being made alive. If we have been made alive by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And I would present to you, you go back to Romans 8, I would present to you that to walk in the Spirit means precisely the same thing as walking after the Spirit. If we took the time, I believe I could demonstrate that from the Scriptures as well. So, now we're back to Romans chapter 8. And I want to share with you what I believe are 10 wonderful truths. Because these truths reinforce what you're striving to do. These truths, what you'll see in here tonight, you, sometimes you say, man, I'm living this way, I'm striving to live this way to the glory of God, and you just need some scriptural reinforcement that you're on the right path, that your plan is right, that your motives are right, and I believe Romans 8 is going to do that 100%. First of all, I want you to notice, those who walk after the Spirit know no condemnation. We're going to talk about why that is in just a minute, but, but in a nutshell, you know no condemnation, all right? It says that there is therefore now no condemnation, all right? Condemnation, being condemned, being slapped down, smacked down. Last week we talked about chastening. Chastening is something different than being smacked in the head because you messed up. You messed up, you idiot, bang! That's condemnation. And Romans 8.1 says there's none of that for those who walk, who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the, flesh, after the Spirit, not after the flesh. No condemnation. We'll talk in a minute. It tells us in a minute why that's the case. Number two, walking in the Spirit makes me free from the law of sin and death. Now, the obvious question there, what is the law of sin and death? All right, these are my words, but they're Bible-based. I want you to listen to a definition of the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is keep the law of Moses and you live. Break the law of Moses and you die. And since no one can keep the law of Moses, everybody dies. That is essentially the law of sin and death. 
And that, by the way, that's valid. Outside of Jesus Christ, that's all there is. So outside of Jesus Christ, everybody dies. And not just physically, but eternally. That's the law of sin and death. Oh, the law of sin and death is, I mean, so sad and discouraging and depressing and it'll drive you to despair. Except that there's something else. The law of the Spirit. So once you get saved, it is just natural. It is expected. It is the duh thing to do. To walk after the Spirit who has saved you. So walking in the Spirit makes me free. I am free. This law that says keep the law of Moses and you live, break the law of Moses and you die, and since no one can keep the law of Moses, everybody dies. You have been liberated from that law. You are not under that law. Praise the Lord. So walking in the Spirit makes me free from the law of sin and death. I'm saved. What shall I do today? What shall I not do today? What will I participate in? What will I not participate in? Who should my friends be? Who should not be my friends? What should my habits be? What should not be my habits? All of these questions, you receive direction by walking in the Spirit. What if I mess up? Well, good news. If you mess up, you're free from the law of sin and death. So if you fail, there's still no condemnation. You're saved because walking in the Spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. Truth number three, walking in the Spirit fulfills the righteousness of the law in us. Look at verses three and four. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Okay, so the law of Moses is a masterpiece at fulfilling righteousness in the eyes of God. But it has a major weakness. You know what that major weakness is? You and me. We are the weakness of the law of Moses. The law of Moses is just Such an awesome tool at causing man to fulfill righteousness in the eyes of God, except for man. Man fails that law. So that's what it's saying when it says, well, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So Jesus comes and by his death he negates, he uh, he he neutralizes, he removes the weakness of the law of Moses. He removes that weakness. So the weakness of the law of Moses is our sinful flesh. Jesus comes and he dies for all sinful flesh and that weakness has now been removed. And so Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law... So, if the, if the law of Moses was a masterpiece of fulfilling righteousness in the eyes of God, but we failed it, and G, but Jesus dealt with our failure, 
then how is righteousness now to be fulfilled before God? That the righteousness of, of the law, righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So listen, you walking after the spirit. You live a spirit-led life. Do you fail? Yes. Do you sin? Yes. Do you fall short? Yes. But you're striving to live after the Spirit. You have decided to make Jesus Christ your master. You follow his leadership. You are walking after the Spirit. That lifestyle, because of Jesus' sacrifice, fulfills the righteousness in the eyes of God as much as the law of Moses lived out perfectly would have. Nobody has ever perfectly lived out the law of Moses except Jesus Christ. But no other man ever has. No other woman, child ever has. But you and I, walking in the Spirit, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ... We accomplish that simply by walking in the Spirit. Tomorrow, if you will walk after the Spirit. that Look, and, and, and I say again, there's no perfection involved here because we still fail. It's not the perfection. It's not the sinlessness that causes us to fulfill that righteousness. It's the mindset of submission and obedience. I'm going to follow the Lord. Why? Because I love him. He saved me. It's the natural thing to do, to follow the Lord. I want to please him. I want to follow him. I want to do what his spirit prompts me to do. And by being of that heart, you are fulfilling the law of Moses. You are fulfilling righteousness in the eyes of God. Man, did Jesus make it easy for us or what? You can fail and still fulfill the righteousness of the law because you're walking after the Spirit. Verse, uh, truth number four. Those who walk after the Spirit are focused on the things of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's where we turn a little bit of a corner from, because for a second there, it was sounding like pastor was saying, the Bible says we can do what we want. Oh, no. Because verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. The things of the flesh. What is that? That's a lifestyle of what do I want to do? If I want to smoke that, I'll smoke it. If I want to drink that, I'll drink it. If I want to watch that, I'll watch it. If I want to say that, I'll say it. Nobody's going to tell me otherwise. You're minding the thing. That's the things of the flesh right there. But they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. So, hey, in a little bit of a sense, yeah, we are saying that if you're saved, you can do whatever you want. Because if you're saved, you have a new wanter that wants to please the Lord, that wants to do what the Spirit is leading you to do. 
So if you want to get cutesy, yeah, you can do whatever you want. But if we want to stick strictly with the spirit of the discussion here, no. It's not that you can't do whatever you want. It's that if you're walking after the spirit, you won't do whatever you want. I'm not trying to get mean and nasty here, folks, but we all face this, so let's get plain. You've got somebody that they, you know they're saved. You know they love the Lord. You know they, are, they have a, a great amount of sincerity in their heart, and they just flow with how much they love the Lord. And they, you know, they pull out their iPhone, they go to YouTube, and they show you, man, you got to check this out. And I don't want to name any names or groups because, first of all, I really don't know any. Probably the names I would name was 20 years old anyway. But they show you some CCM song. And immediately your spirit is grieved within you. But, but you're looking at the sincerity of that Christian. And you're going, but he loves the Lord. I know he loves the Lord. I know this is not fake. I know this is real. But that acid rock sound does not match me walking after the Spirit. Now, this is this probably, in your opinion, is going to step over into being judgmental, but there is a certain amount of judgment that we're supposed to use. I can do nothing but conclude that when someone is trying to force the name of Jesus Christ into, I mean, the smoke, the strobe lights, I'm talking about the appearance of the singer where you can't tell him from a lost rock singer to save your life. If you, if you went on a quiz show and saw this guy and this guy, you never heard of either one of them, and one of them singing about, I remember being in the, um, uh, let's finish that sentence. You had to tell which one was saved, you couldn't do it. I remember um, going, uh, being in that tube for uh, every day for however many months, the, what the, the, the uh, hyperbaric chamber. And before they pushed you into the little tube, into the, the uh, little um, the hyperbaric chamber, the claustrophobic chamber, and uh, you, I would be in there for, I don't know, an hour and a half. And before I'd go in, it's, it's clear. It's just like that little thing, that little tube that you throw up at the bank, you know, and only it was big enough for me to fit in. And uh, they put you in, they close it up, you know, it's like the space shuttle, and you go in there. But there's a TV right up there. And they'd say, what do you, you know, what do you want to watch? And every day was Fox News. They only had to ask like three days. And uh, the only reason I asked for that, because it was, it was the one thing that I didn't think they'd have to change a channel or anything. I didn't think there'd be much to embarrass everybody. And so uh, they'd put it on. And uh, every Friday that summer, they would have a concert out in the deal. And they didn't have a single concert that I cared anything for. But you know, the, 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 the most, uh, uh, the, the hardest one, I'm talking about the style the, the, the most metal one that they had all summer was what the hostess called a Christian group. I don't remember the name. I, when I hear it now, I remember that that was it. But, um, you know, and the guys, were the, the guys that looked the raunchiest, the guys that looked like it had been the longest since they'd had a shower, the guys that looked like, you know, they need to make at least go down to the Gap and get some jeans without some holes in it. You know what I mean? And they, is the Gap even a thing anymore? And, and 
when I was a kid there, we were, we were uh, falling into the gap. And, uh, and remember, anybody remember that? Well, that's an oldie. Nobody? Am I the only one that remembers? Okay, thank you, Natalie. Um, that was a commercial when I was a child, Levi's. And, uh, but the guys that looked the raunchiest was the Christian group. Okay, so why am I bringing all that up? Because you look at that and you're trying to make sense of it. You're, and you're going, am I the one that's wrong? So, so let me use verse 5. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. I believe with all my heart. Okay, at worst, that music comes from musicians who are trying to make a buck off of Christians. And it's been documented that those people exist. Somebody was caught for something, I don't know, drugs or something four or five years ago. And he came right out and said, I mean, I read the interview. And these were Christian rockers who had songs on the charts in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. And he said, I'm an atheist. He said, everybody in our band's an atheist. He said, Christian people who listen to our music are the biggest suckers on the planet. He said, we're just, we're making money off of them. Now, that's worst case scenario, but, but I know that there's, I, okay, now, you know, my independent Baptist friends will get mad if you hear me saying this, but I know there's some in that CCM movement that are some degree of sincere. I don't have any use for the music, but I believe there's some sincerity in there somewhere to some degree. So where does that come from? If they're not reprobates, atheists, making a buck off of sucker Christians, then where do those that part of the industry, where do they come from? They come from Christians who are minding the things of the flesh. Now, why the silence? Because I'm trying to figure out how, to go, how far to go with this. I think I better leave it there. You ponder that. You ponder. And can, can I say, it's not just the rock stuff. There's a song, oh boy, I shouldn't bring this up, but, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. There was a song I heard about 20 years ago, a Christian song made by one of our kind of folks. Oh man, I hate to bash this song. I hate to, okay, I won't. I don't want to ruin this song for you in case you know it and you love it. Maybe it's been a blessing to you, so I'm not going to quote the song. But I'm telling you, it came from a song sung by the Kendalls. In the 1970s, talking about how sin is heavenly. And I mean they copied the tune, and they copied most of the words. And they made a song out of it that is sung in our kind of churches. And I know right where it came from. And I can't listen to that. Why? Because I know that it was somebody minding the things of the flesh when they wrote that song. So, I spent too much time on number five. But those who walk after the flesh are not carnally minded. I'm sorry, that was number four. Those who walk after the flesh are focused on things of the Spirit. Let's, let's move here. Number five, those who walk after the Spirit are not carnally minded. They are not flesh driven. All right, look at verse six, first part. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded... Okay, so... What's the contrast between 5A, uh, I'm sorry, 6A and 6B? What's the contrast? Carnally minded, 
and spiritually minded. So those who walk after the Spirit are not carnally minded, right? Those who walk after the Spirit are not trying to figure out how to fulfill the lust of the flesh in the name of Jesus. Let me repeat that in case you missed it. Those who are walking after the Spirit are not trying to figure out how to fulfill the lust of the flesh in the name of Jesus. We talked in Sunday school about Jeroboam who had a conflict in his life and as a result of the conflict, he came up with a religion that justified how he wanted to live, how it was convenient for him to live. And the conclusion that we drew in my class this morning, I don't know what you did with the story in your class, but in my class the conclusion we drew is that you do not submit your doctrine to your lifestyle. You submit your lifestyle to your doctrine. But when you're walking after the flesh, even though you're saved, you're walking after the flesh, all of a sudden, because you're carnally minded, you're trying to justify certain things. Let me tell you things that are justified in Christian circles these these days. Now look, by the way, if you struggle with any of the things that I'm about to mention, or if any of the things I'm about to mention is part of your past or part of your present, I love you and I'm for you 100% and I am not judging you the least little bit. It's if you're promoting these things in the name of Jesus that I'm going to have to strongly disagree with you. See, there's a difference there. Okay? Um, there's, a, there's a strong... I mentioned the other night, I think it was in uh, the Bible study. It may have been in a message. I don't know. Maybe I don't know when it was. Sometime recently I mentioned how there was a, uh, a Christian podcast that I was listening to, and it was a humorous podcast. It wasn't for doctrine. It was for humor's sake. And I had to quit it. I had to give it up. Because one of the things that they're pushing in that podcast through humor all the time is they talk, Christian people, all the time, talking about being in bars. And at first it was going to bars and just, you know, drinking soda. And then it was talking about going to bars and drinking non-alcoholic beer. And then it became just flat out going to bars and what's their favorite beer. And, and uh, folks, this is main, can I tell you? We don't have any mega churches around here, but we have two that are close to being mega churches. I'm talking about this guy performed was was a, a highliner within the last couple of years in one of those two large churches right here in our backyard. And here they are. So we're talking about a leader in Christian circles who is openly promoting going to a bar and drinking beer. Now, right away, you back up and you say, well, pastor, you, you can do these things and still be safe. Yes, You can. And by the way, if you're struggling with drinking, God bless you. I love you and I'm praying for you. But there's a difference between struggling and promoting something in the name of Jesus Christ. Those who walk after the Spirit are not carnally minded. They are not pushing beer. They are not pushing parties. Hey, just go to the party and be a witness for Christ. I guarantee you the same crowd, some of them have already started promoting smoke and weed. Since it's legal, it must be moral, right? And those who haven't yet, they will. I'm talking about the greed. It's okay to live a lifestyle of greed as a Christian. Listen, the Bible still says, if riches multiply themselves, set not thine heart to them. If God enables you to make some money, 
use it for his glory, but don't be wrapped up, don't be consumed with it. On and on we could go with the examples. Number six, those who walk after the Spirit are spiritually minded. All right, so, so look at the whole pop culture picture. And you know sincere Christians who are caught up in it think it's the greatest thing in the world. But look at the picture. Look at the whole scene. And tell me honestly that the Spirit of God within you says, yes, that is what a spiritual mind, spiritually minded person is to pursue. You know it's not. You know it's not. How do they get there? Carnally minded. Now, I'm not standing up here in condemnation of anybody else. I'm trying to encourage you that if you are walking after the Spirit and the Spirit of God is telling you what is right and wrong and you're doing right, you're striving to do right, you're on track. Don't let anybody tell you you're not. Number seven, those who walk after the Spirit know life and peace. Praise the Lord. We're still in verse six. Who to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So to walk after the Spirit is to be spiritually minded. Number eight. Those who walk after the Spirit are not at enmity with God. This is another insightful statement. In verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Now, you better hold your finger there and turn to James 4. Because we need some additional understanding here. James chapter 4. Those of you that know James know where we're going, but I think you need to see it with your eyes. The carnal mind is enmity against God. In case you know what enmity is, it is the position of being an enemy or the condition of being an enemy. The carnal mind is enmity against God. James 4, 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is, oh, there's that word again, enmity with God. That doesn't mean you're friends with a lost person. It means you're yoked up with the lifestyle of the world. That you're okay with it. Man, go to a go to a weed smoking party, go to a pop party, go to a rock and roll party, and you might just as well see you there as you would see you here on Sunday morning. You that's friendship with the world. And that is not where we're supposed to be living. There is supposed to be a distinction. There is supposed to be a difference. There is supposed to be a distance. That's a great outline that I just came up with off the top of my head. There's supposed to be something different between us and the world. We're supposed to love everybody. We're supposed to reach out and try to reach everybody. But there is a difference between that and, you know, if I go hang out at the bar, I might have a chance to leave a track one of these days. Yeah, you also might get drunk one of these days. You also might kill the testimony of Jesus Christ. You probably already are. He said, verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God. So the carnal mind, that's the mind that is looking for ways. You're just like Jeroboam. How can I do this? How can I, how can I merge my faith with the convenient lifestyle? How can we make these things work together? Number, number 9, those who walk after the Spirit, how about this, are subject to the law of God. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The strong, strong implication is there is there is that if you are walking after the Spirit, if you're spiritually minded, you are by default subject to the law of God because the Spirit is going to lead you to subject yourself to the law of God. So there is a difference between... Here's the crazy thing, all right? 
when you have some rules that you live by as a Christian, you get accused of being a legalist. Well, that is the total uh, twisting of the definition of what it means to be a legalist. But okay, I get what you're saying. You're a legalist because you believe Christians should do this and they shouldn't do this. Okay, I'm a legalist. The same people will turn right around and would say, wow, you, you drink, you go to bars, you, you smoke weed. Where does the Bible say you can't do that? Oh, so you live by the letter of the law. Who's the legalist? I'm living by the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law tells me, are you crazy? That doesn't match. That lifestyle doesn't match walking in the spirit. That's the spirit of the law. You're telling me I don't subject myself to anything that is not written. Thou shalt not smoke marijuana, so I'm going to smoke weed. Who's the legalist? And by the way, they that are in, I'm sorry, the carnal mind is subject to the law of God. That is, you can't miss that as the contrast in verse number 7. The carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, so the absolute implication is that the spiritual mind is. Okay, we're almost done here. Number 10, those who walk after the Spirit seek to please God. Bang. Verse 8, so that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Okay, the indisputable contrast they that are walking after the Spirit can and do. Okay? I'll tell you the Christianity that I can't understand and don't want anything to do with is the Christianity that has no desire to please God. And that's what we're being sold. I will not stand here and tell you that this group, this group, this group is not saved. It may be that there are just as many phonies in independent Baptist churches as there are in the Pop culture church. It may be so. I don't know. I'm not the phony judge God is. But I will tell you this. If you don't care about pleasing God, you are promoting a Christianity that does not even come close to lining up with the Christianity of the Bible. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not the judge of that. I don't know. I'm saying if you're promoting a Christianity that does not care about pleasing God, and I'll tell you, folks will reach out. They reach out to me. They reach out to my wife. They say, can you just help me understand this? Because, you know, I'm, I don't see where the Bible says thou shalt not smoke marijuana. I don't see it in the Bible. And you introduce this idea of, yeah, but, but, but what about pleasing the Lord? And you get that, that puppy look. Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> you never, in your, in your pop culture rock and roll church, you never heard about pleasing God? Oh, it's all about the favors God does for you. It's a completely different mentality. It was not my intention to condemn anybody tonight, but just to encourage you that you are on a scriptural track. And by the way, isn't it great if you're walking after the Spirit, there's no condemnation involved your heavenly Father loves you. You are fulfilling, by walking after the Spirit through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you are fulfilling the righteousness of the law of Moses. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Let's stand together tonight.